Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now last week we looked at the portion of verse 2 which speaks of the fact that we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God. And we've been looking at this verse and we see clearly, just as Jonah proclaimed, that salvation is of the Lord because we see in this verse here that the whole Trinity is in action in the salvation of God's elect. We see that God's people are elect according to the foreknowledge of God and then they're, they're sanctified by the Spirit and they are redeemed by the blood of Christ. And then, of course, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. The only way we can receive grace and the only way we have peace with God is in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it is multiplied. It is multiplied very, very much. So God the Holy Spirit is the third person of the holy, sovereign, triune God. And the Holy Scriptures refer to <coughs> the Holy Spirit as Him, Himself. Many times in the Scriptures, we looked at this last week, and we looked at it is He, the Holy Spirit, who guides us into all truth. He guides us into all truth. Remember, we looked at how He wouldn't speak of Himself, but He points us to Christ and teaches us the things of Christ. He takes the things of Christ and shows them to God's chosen, blood-bought people. And the miracle of the new birth is also performed by him and him alone. I've noticed in the religion of our day, and I remember hearing Brother Henry mention this back in the 70s, one of the messages of his I was listening to, and it is extremely prevalent even today. He said that decisionism has replaced regeneration. And we see it. It's rampant. It's rampant. People say, just make a decision for Christ, and then you're saved. Well, the miracle of the new birth is that. It's a miracle. It's a work of God, the Holy Spirit. Where we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And then we believe. We have faith. And it can only be wrought by Him. It can't be wrought by anything we do at all. Because that's why salvation is of the Lord. If we had anything to do with our salvation, then it would be of us, and it wouldn't be salvation. But salvation is holy in Him, in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates us. And it's performed by the power of God. And he sanctifies God's sheep through the belief of the truth, granting us faith and repentance to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's again, what, what comes first? Faith or regeneration? Well, regeneration. You won't believe unless you're born again. It's a mighty work of God. It's a mighty work of God. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. John six sixty three. So today we'll be looking at the latter part of verse 2, when it speaks of the perfect redeeming work of the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is the believer's Lord and the one who is the believer's Savior. It says, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. In our text, we see Peter being inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, and we see that he's placed sanctification before redemption. Now, did he here contradict Jude's statement about us being sanctified from eternity by the decree of God? Absolutely not. Did he contradict Paul, who makes sanctification the result of redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. Peter was here inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to record these three works of grace before us, 
in the order of experience for us. In the order of experience for us, not in the order of accomplishment. God has chosen his people in Christ, and we experience the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit of God in regeneration and in effectual calling, by which he gives us faith in Christ before we can know anything about our election. Now, we're already redeemed by Christ before we believe. God's people are. But for us to have that knowledge of it before we know anything about it, we must be born again, beloved. We must be born again. Before we know anything about our election, which is the source of all grace, or our redemption, which is the grounds upon which grace is bestowed. Until we experience the miracle of the new birth, until we are enlightened by the Holy Spirit of God, we will never understand the perfect redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just won't. But once we're born again, and, and our Lord himself said in John chapter 3, verse 7, you must be born again. You must be. You must be. Once we're born again, then we're, we're taught of God. We're taught of God. And all of God's elect come into this world dead in trespasses and sins. And all of God's elect, the ones Peter are writing to, must be born again. They must be born again because we're all sinners. And every chosen, blood-bought, ransomed sinner shall be born again. They will be born again. You must be born again because unless you're born again by the almighty power of God and by his grace, you'll never enter into the kingdom of God. So contrast that with decisionism. Man-based salvation the Holy Spirit regeneration. We will never know this side of eternity, the damage, the damage that Armenianism has done. We'll never know. People who think they're going to glory. Unless the Lord saves them. We'll be in for a big, big surprise. But every chosen blood-bought, ransomed sinner shall be born again. They shall be. Let us consider and be reminded of the truth of Scriptures in proclaiming the Holy Scriptures ascribe God's electing grace to the work of God the Father in this verse. And the Word of God tells us, it, we know from other Scriptures that the miracle of the new birth is formed by the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ is set forth in God's Holy Word is our perfect Savior. Our perfect Savior the one who redeemed us, the one who redeemed his chosen people. How? By the sacrifice of himself, by the shedding of his own precious blood. Now, there are three divine persons that make up one glorious, majestic God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God in three divine persons. Our sovereign God is also of one mind. He's of one mind. Our sovereign God is of one mind. Think of this, when in the eternal covenant of grace, God the Father chose us in Christ, the eternal Son of God, in the eternal Holy Spirit of God, we're in a perfect agreement with those he chose. Just ponder that. They were in perfect agreement. When the eternal Son of God agreed to the conditions of the eternal covenant in eternity, which were meant perfectly by our Savior, his perfect obedience unto death, his death upon the cross, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit were in perfect agreement with him. 
were in perfect agreement with him, with all the conditions of the eternal covenant, in perfect agreement. God, the Holy Spirit, by his sovereign power, makes sure that everything that was purposed in the one perfect mind of God, right, happens just exactly like it was decreed. Exactly like it was decreed. Now, this is very important for all of God's blood-bought children to lay to our heart. And one might say, well, why? Well, because we are not to believe every spirit, but we're to try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets, false preachers, are gone out into the world. And there are some preachers out there who claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're teaching universal redemption. They're teaching universal redemption. They're saying that Christ died for everyone. That's what they proclaim. And they proclaim that his redeeming work was for all of Adam's race. We don't proclaim that here. We proclaim that Christ died for his sheep and his sheep alone. Think of this. Think of this universal redemption that's proclaimed. It makes the cross of Christ of no effect. Of no effect. It's actually blasphemy. It states that the work of Christ was a failure. When you really get down to it, why, you might say, why? Well, because apparently, according to them, he didn't meet all the conditions of the eternal covenant. He did not save his people from their sins because there's some of them that are in hell. See, they don't think of that, do they? They don't think that. But we know from Matthew one twenty one that Christ came what? To save his people from their sins. He came to do, and do you know that what he came to do, he accomplished. We know that. We who believe know that. We've been taught that, haven't we? We've been taught that. But if a person believes in universal redemption, well, they basically are saying that his blood didn't justify his people. We're not saved from God's wrath. And his death didn't reconcile us to God. And that he was not delivered for our offenses and not raised again for our justification. Because, you see, if some people are in hell, then the atonement's a failure. But that's blasphemy. Because our Savior is a successful Savior. And he came to save his people from their sins. And I'm here to proclaim, and every gospel preacher get up in the pulpit today and proclaim that he saved his people from their sins. And it fills God's people's hearts with joy. With joy. Joy. And unfortunately, many professing Christians agree with these false preachers. And when you tell them the truth of the Scriptures, that Christ died only for his sheep, they think the truth is a lie. They think the truth is a lie, and they agree with the false preachers. And because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved, God shall send them strong delusion. Sends them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Aren't you thankful? Those of us who came out of religion, aren't you thankful God didn't leave you there? Praise be to God. Oh my. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And remember, it's the ministry of God the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And our Lord Jesus Christ said he would do that. Therefore, those who believe in universal redemption are not led by the God the Holy Spirit. They're not led by God the Holy Spirit because it's contrary to Scripture. It's contrary to Scripture. 
Some people might say, well, that's hard words, but that's what the Scriptures declare. Christ died for his sheep. He didn't die for everyone. He died for his sheep. Our text again says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now some believe that uh, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Christ refers to the obedience of the believer, but when the Holy Spirit sprinkles the blood of Christ on our conscience, purging us from dead works to serve the living God. And it's true that the Holy Spirit regenerates us. He gives us a new heart, a new, a new heart that loves Christ and, and a willing spirit to obey his clear commands. But our text is talking about the work of the great triune God in the salvation of his elect. That's what this scripture is declaring. God's work. God's work. The work of God, the Holy Spirit, to reveal to us the obedience of Jesus Christ, that God our Father hath highly exalted His Son. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. God our Father has highly exalted His Son because He was obedient unto death. That's what the Scripture is talking about. Christ being obedient unto death. Look at Philippians chapter 2 and then put your finger in Romans. And we'll go over there next. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. And keep in mind, I'll read our text again. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And then look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. He condescended. God himself condescended and became a man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And think of the great humility. God himself becomes a man. The God-man mediator. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became what? Obedient unto death. Why must he die? To satisfy God's law and justice in the place of his people. To redeem his people from their sins. To purchase them with the shedding of his own precious blood. Even unto the death of the cross. He's a willing sacrifice. But obedient unto death. He fulfills everything that God demands. The sinless one dying for sinners. Dying for his chosen people. Dying for those who were elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. What a Savior. And the Holy Spirit will redeem to every child of God that the obedience of Jesus Christ is not only the believer's, every believer's righteousness, but is our hope, isn't it? It's our hope. What would we do without Christ's obedience in our place? We'd be lost. We'd be lost. Because we can't fulfill the law of God. We can't satisfy the justice of God. But Christ did that, didn't he, for his people. Now, do you see the, the blasphemy of universal redemption? And they say, well, well, Christ died for everybody, but some are in hell. Some are facing the wrath of God. See, that's not the same Jesus. No, our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, died for his people, redeemed his people. He's a successful Savior. And now he sits upon the throne in glory, mediating for his people. What a Savior. What a Redeemer. 
is Jesus Christ our Lord. And the believer, the believer is just in awe that He included me. That He included me. My. Look at Romans 5.19. Look at Romans 5.19. And keep in mind again our text, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ obeyed God's law for us. He was the sinless one. Weaving that perfect code of righteousness for His people while He lived upon this earth. Look at Romans 5.19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. When Adam fell, we all fell. Everyone. Everyone. So by the obedience of one, what? Shall many be made righteous. Oh. We're made righteous, brother. By the righteousness of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? By Him. And through Him. And Him alone. In our natural state, we're all sinners. That's what the Scripture declares there. We're all sinners. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Well, Adam's our father. I'm born a sinner. My father was a sinner, and my, his father was a sinner, and all the way back to Adam. But praise be to God. Oh, praise be to God, the God-man. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And then look at over at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire, verse 1. Verses 1 to 4. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness are going about to establish their own righteousness. Now, we, let's stop right there for a second. Look what it says. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. There is billions of people in this world right now trying to establish their own righteousness. Be it they be religious people or, or, or not religious people, they are trying to work their way to what they, they call heaven. And there's all different variations of that too, isn't there? Nothing new under the sun, beloved. There's nothing new under the sun. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now look at verse 4. Verse 4 is a mountaintop scripture, beloved. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. He fulfilled the law of God in the place of His people. He lived that perfect life that you and I could never live in the place of His people. And he is the end of the law for righteousness. The end of the law for righteousness. To everyone, there's a clause though, to everyone that believeth. Not everyone goes to heaven. But those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are elect according to the foreknowledge of God, those who are sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God, born again by the Holy Spirit of God, those who were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, to them, he is the end of the law for righteousness. And in our text says, in the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 9. 
Hebrews chapter 9. The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. We know that Scripture declares in another portion, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Christ gave His life for His people. The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ that we read about in our text is an obvious reference here to the Passover and to the sprinkling of the blood on the doorposts of the house. And there is a reference to the sprinkling of the blood on the mercy seat in the Day of Atonement. And both of these things were pictures of our Lord's great work of redemption. Look at what it says in Hebrews 9, verse 12. Neither by the blood and goats of calves. They could never take away sin, could they? They could never take away sin. But by his own blood, and remember, the life of the flesh is in the blood. By his own blood, God's blood, what has he done? He entered in once into the holy place. God himself. The God-man mediator, having obtained, praise God, having obtained, just let that sink into your heart, beloved, having obtained eternal redemption for us, for his people. He didn't die for everyone, but all praise be to God, he died for his people, didn't he? And he's obtained eternal redemption. It's his, it's his to give. He purchased it. He purchased his people with, their, with his own precious blood. And when the truth concerning the perfect redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ as it is set forth in the Holy Word of God, is revealed to God's elect, it does exactly what it's intended to do. It gives our great God all the glory. All the glory. <clears throat> he will not share His glory with another. And it reveals God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ, revealing to us that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. Not of us. My, what a Savior. And it purges our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And it shows God's children that we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And man's work cannot enter into the redemption, this redemption that is ours in Christ Jesus. And it gives assurance to all God's enlightened saints that the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ has not only purged our sins, not only purged us, removing them from God's sight forever, but also assures us that the Lord Jesus Christ is our immutable surety. Our immutable surety. Who is able to save us to the othermost. And, and God will not allow anything to be laid to the charge of God's people. The charge of God's like Why? Because Christ paid all that was demanded to ransom their souls. To ransom their souls. And with this in mind, Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3.13 and listen to what the Holy Scriptures teach us concerning the perfect redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ dying on Calvary's cross. Galatians 3.13 Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Our Lord didn't try to redeem us, beloved. He didn't do all that He could and now the rest is up to you, did He? That's a lie from the pit of hell. No, beloved. He hath. Look at that. Christ hath. That's past tense, beloved. Christ hath redeemed. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
Those wicked men didn't try to hang our Lord Jesus Christ on the tree. By God's divine decree and purpose, they actually nailed him to the cross. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 11. And we'll see again the Holy Scriptures teach us what they teach us about the perfect redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this, Romans chapter 5. Verses 8 to 11. But God commandeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have Received the atonement. God didn't send His Son to die for us so, so that he could, he could love us. No, no. He sent Christ into the, into the world because He loved us. Because He loved us from eternity. Not so He could love us, but because He loved us. He sent Christ to die for His people. And then turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Now again, the scriptures declare of the perfect redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he was delivered up for all his people. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. And 33. He that spared not his own son, but what? Delivered him up for us all. Christ was delivered up. To redeem his people from their sins. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. And then look at, look at 33. This is just, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Christ was delivered up for his people to die in the room instead of his people. And the result of that perfect redeeming work, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? All those who were justified by the blood of Christ shall be saved from wrath through him. And none shall be able to lay any charge to them. Not one. That, that's good news for sinners, isn't it? That's wonderful. And then go back to Romans chapter 5. I should have kept your, had you keep your finger in there. Look at verse 10. All of God's elect were reconciled to God by the death of his son. This is what the scriptures declare about the perfect redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So the death of Christ didn't make it possible for us to be reconciled. It doesn't say that, does it? That's what false preachers proclaim, though, isn't it? Romans chapter 5, 10 says that we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And when? Well, we were yet enemies. Moreover, those who were reconciled to God by the death of His Son shall be saved by His life. Look at that. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. The perfect redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ in His life and in His death is the substitute for His people. 
Our Lord said, because I live, ye shall live also. Christ is our surety. Wherefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those that also to save them to the uttermost that come unto, come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So the one who has saved us is the Lord Jesus Christ by the shedding of his own precious blood. If his blood hadn't been shed, if he hadn't lived the perfect life, we'd never be saved. The one who has all power did this too. The one who is seated right now on the eternal throne in heaven. Right now. The majestic, true, and living God. The only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords. And all of God's elect. Also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The Lord Jesus Christ is every believer's joy. Again, Jesus Christ didn't try to make atonement, make reconciliation for our sins. He did it for his people. He did it. He has reconciled his people to God by his dying upon the cross. And those who are given faith to see that the Lord Jesus Christ satisfied the holy justice of God for us, what do we do? We rejoice with joy unspeakable. We rejoice. We rejoice. We never grow tired of hearing this wonderful truth of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Tell me again and again and again and again and again. That's all I want to hear. What a Savior. By him, our Lord Jesus Christ, we have now received the atonement. And no one can receive anything except it be given to him from above. And all of God's blessings come through our heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ. And every believer's one and only hope is Christ. We have no other hope. And after his resurrection, our blessed, perfect Redeemer entered into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us, for his people. And that is where he is now, interceding for every one of his sheep. And God himself gives strong consolation to those who by faith flee to Christ for refuge. And God cannot lie, cannot break his promise. And the scriptures declare, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Do you believe on Christ? Oh, if you don't, I pray God make you willing. That he grant you faith and repentance to believe on him. And truly in Christ and Christ alone, dying for our sins, the believer has received from God grace and peace multiplied. Multiplied. Just think of the forgiveness of all our sins. Have you not received? You who are the elect of God. You who are sitting here today who are blood-bought saints. Have you not received through the death of Christ and through his dying for your sins Grace and peace multiplied. Because remember what the scriptures declare, we were enemies with God, weren't we? My, oh my. What a Savior. What a Savior. Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 1 and we're we'll close with this scripture. 
Revelation chapter 1. I was looking at this scripture with a dear brother a couple days ago. and Look at this, this absolutely wonderful, wonderful portion of scripture. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And then look at verse 5 here. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Notice the singularity of that. The faithful witness. And the first begotten of the dead. This talks about his resurrection. And the prince of the kings of the earth. This speaks of his universal dominion and power that he has over all things visible and invisible. But look at this. Unto him that loved us. And what? Washed us from our sins. Made whiter than snow, beloved. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How did he do that? Washed us from our sins. What? In his own blood. He gave his life for his people. He shed his blood for his people. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Is it any wonder any wonder that the saint says, give him all the glory. Give him all the honor. and Give him all the praise. I've had grace and peace multiplied to me through the forgiveness of all my sins by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to his name. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. What, a, what an amazing, amazing redemption that you have wrought out, you planned it, you executed it. And we who believe only believe because we are regenerated by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And salvation truly is of the Lord from beginning to end. And we marvel, Lord Jesus, that you left heaven to, to shed your blood, to die, to give your life, the sinless one, dying for sinners, but dying for those whom the Father gave you in eternity. And we who believe marvel that we were included in that number. May you receive all the glory and honor and praise today in the preaching of your word and in the singing and when we fellowship together for dinner. Oh, Lord, we thank thee. We thank thee for the salvation which you have wrought, Lord Jesus, for us. In Jesus' name we pray.